0: What is good, everybody? This is the Views from the 573 Podcast, the podcast that fortunately doesn't have to follow up Nick Saban and doesn't have to worry about their facial hair getting frozen. I'm your host, Ryan Daniel, and I'm joined by co host of the show, Matt Mormon. Matt, uh, I know you're probably happy about both those things as well. Well, speak
1: for yourself, Ryan. I'm out here in Kansas City, home of the icicle mustache. Himself, Andy Reid, and uh, I gotta tell you, man, that cold—it was every bit as brutal as it seemed. Um, the last three days, basically, like it was a holiday weekend, with MLK Day, and uh, all three days were just spent like avoiding life, avoiding the world, like staying inside, doing absolutely nothing because you, you couldn't. Like <laughs> you go outside just for a moment, and, and like pain just hits your face. You know, uh, my poor dog you yeah, know we took king out and like if he was outside any more than uh like 30 seconds or so he would almost start limping like he like he wouldn't limp but almost look that way because he was trying to just like keep his feet off of the ground cuz the ground was so cold yeah. that like yeah um it was it was absolutely awful and uh i did indeed have my facial hair get frozen at least on cool. one occasion
0: well, you know, it's so crazy to say that, you know, despite how cold it is, it's only the fourth coldest game in NFL history. <laughs> yeah, that is something. Now, that was, was that based on the feels-like temperature or the air temperature? I, I think on the air temperature, from what I gather. Okay, then I can buy it,
1: because air temperature, it was only, like, negative four, I think, is what it got down to during the game. <laughs> um... I think the lowest I ever saw was negative seven. I think it was, um, yeah. But I know that the uh, like the wind chill and the like temperature it was like negative twenty nine, negative thirty at points. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is actually nothing compared to um, uh, I, I saw out in Montana. Their air temperature was like negative forty at one point. Um, so Holy you crap. know <laughs> that 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 yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> It's hard to believe that some people choose these kinds of climates, Ryan. You know, here in Kansas City, I thought I would, like, at least somewhat avoid that level of things. But, nope, here we were, frozen tundra.
0: (laughs) It makes Kansas City look like the warmest place on earth. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So, we'll talk about that game and uh, all the other wild card game action. We had a couple young quarterbacks step up big time this week. A couple NFC East teams are out. And we'll also talk about the divisional games a little bit later on. But we do have a few things to get up to here up top. Before we get into any of that, be sure to go check us out. where you guys get your podcasts, be sure to go follow the show on your podcast platform. Subscribe, share with your friends. On YouTube, you can find us at 573podcast. We got a video going up for the Entertainment Pod, which you, Rebecca, Peter, talked a little bit of wrestling, Royal Rumble, and got some wrestlemania predictions so if you guys want to check those videos out shorts you can be go check out the show on youtube again 573 podcast and uh, i might post it on twitter see how that does and uh see if it yeah. can work on twitter format so it yeah.
1: was it was a lot of fun for sure um one thing that was very unexpected is apparently last night during the raw made event seth rollins suffered a knee injury uh to oh, be no. determined on, to be determined how serious on that but uh That would definitely throw a big old wrench in all those uh, WrestleMania plans, that's for sure.
0: Oh, no. Seth is going down like the Grizzlies are. Oh, no. Well, and the poor guy, he's missed WrestleMania
1: before with a torn ACL um, when he was top champion before. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he's going to be okay. It's going to be very minor, but here's
0: hoping. Yeah, here's hoping. We don't want that YouTube video uh, being posted about a week or so before Royal Rumble. And uh, it being like, well, there's that, and it's all news, you know? (laughs) But it does fit with this podcast, with both podcasts, because just like last week when we were about a day or two late on the Saban retirement pod, we were a day late on the announcement of his replacement. And, of course, it is the new Alabama coach, former Washington coach, Kalen DeBoer, uh, who's been successful everywhere he's gone, been successful at NAIA at that level, successful at Fresno State, and has been successful at Washington with three losses and a national title game appearance, and he he is heading to Alabama. It does sound like he was one of their top candidates. And, uh, you know, I figured, you know, with me and Matt doing this one, I had to because I mentioned on the last pod, you were the one that let me know Saban was retiring, and you legit broke the news to me, and I thought you were lying. And then a second later, literally a second later, I was like, Oh, here's the ESPN notification. <laughs> well, well you know,
1: college football insider Matt Mormon, of course, having the scoop for yes. this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was interesting though, for sure. That yeah, uh, Nick Saban retiring, and I don't know, Ryan, I I feel like this. I I guess it makes some sense that a guy at a Washington level would then be the guy that goes to the Alabama level, um, but. I don't know. I feel like whoever replaced Nick Saban was kind of going to be a dead man walking a little bit, you know, like, how much success do you have to have at Alabama in order for your run to be looked at successfully, right? Like, you can't, we see it with Ryan Day right now, right? At at the Ohio State, where it's like, he's beaten everybody except for Michigan a couple times. And it's like, they want to run him out of town. Ryan, do you think we're going to be looking at a
0: similar kind of run here? I mean, it's entirely possible. I mean, we know the expectations, what they are at Alabama and Saban has built them up to be that way over the last couple of years. And, you know, I do wonder, I think I was reading this in an article or something or somebody pointed out that sometimes it's not the guy that is hired after a legend that comes in and does a great job. It's the guy after the guy right. that comes in and mm-hmm. gets the ship rolling again and everything's good. Um, you know, one thing I thought about with this is that, you know, with the 12-team playoff coming up, there is going to be less – there's going to be more margin for error. So, like, Alabama can have, like, two losses, I feel like, and can still find themselves in the 12-team playoff and get one of those at-large bids. So, I don't think – I think they'll be fine there, but I think Bama fans will be like, two losses? No, we want one or zero or better. You know, we want those types of seasons but I will say he has done well at everywhere he's been He's done really well. I, I will say he kind of reminds me. And I mean, of course, you know, like Ryan, you're going to tie this back to UT, aren't you? Like, yep. But there's some similarities, Josh Heupel, kind of a similar type of philosophy as far as their offenses, how they're run, put up a lot of points, efficient defense, A little bit of a concern on that side of the ball. And also recruiting now, Highpool has done a little bit better each and every year as far as defense and recruiting, recruiting classes. I've seen a bump up. I believe they're like top fifteen, top ten right now, and the defenses have improved. And there's one thing in Alabama is that they have good guys on defense. Now I think they've lost a couple guys in the portal that have moved out because I think there's a defensive backs coach that went to Georgia, so they're going to poach their guys. You know that's just the college game. So. I wonder. I think with with this first year or so, I'm curious how uh, about a couple things. How he's going to do with Jalen Milrow because he's different from Michael Penix. Uh With the playoff games kind of showing that, how is he going to adapt to Pen to Milrow, or is he going to put say Milrow, hey, this is a system, you need to learn this because we're not going to adapt to you. And I think he can get very dangerous with something like that. So. Maybe he does that in this first year or so. But I think with these Saban guys, I think he is going to win. And I think, you know, at Washington, he won with a lot of the previous coaches' guys and coached them up and did really well. Now, I can imagine that here. But then he's going to have to go and recruit and get his own guys. And what is that going to look like? Is he going to have high-level defenses here? Is he going to be able to recruit the South really well? Because that's a kind of key concern. And, I think I pointed out Friday, the Oregon coach, Dan Lanning, has experience in the South, and you can't discount that. He you know, worked at Alabama, worked at Georgia. I think that's something to be concerned about is how his defenses are going to be. And listen, we know we've seen Bama with excellent passing games. We've seen that before. And so I think you know he, he'll probably bring that back and they'll probably get in some star receivers. They've been lacking because I know you looking at the NFL draft, there's been a lack of star Alabama receivers that have come out in the last couple seasons.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the last big one was the Waddle Smith year, right? Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, over those last couple of years, yeah, for sure. Not my big question for you though. Um, I've got two. This one first, though, Ryan. I feel like with Alabama under Saban, when you went to a 12-team playoff, they were going to get it no matter what. Like, The benefit of the doubt was going to be there. Um, Do you think committee will still give them a bit of a benefit of the doubt tiebreaker, right? Like, If they're kind of stuck between two teams, does Alabama legacy still carry enough water if it's not Nick Saban in order to kind of be that tiebreaker?
0: You know, that's a good question because I can apply that with recruiting too. I wonder how much of the... Alabama brand is because of Saban. And listen, Saban is still going to be around Bama. Like, I think that he's got an office up at Brian Denny Stadium. So, he's he's not going to be away from the program. So, it, he's like, hey, we can call Coach Saban to come down here and get you settled real quick if you don't watch it. But, um, you know, I think they're – I'm curious to see if that will hold any weight, you know, with no Saban there. Will they be more – will they want to pick Bama or will they go want to go – to another team and so it does I really want to see if there's any separation of the Saban brand and the Alabama brand or if they're still one the same you know Saban made the Mm -hmm. Alabama brand elevate and maybe that's just it but I'm curious to see if there's any separation at all or or if there's not you know that's one thing I'm curious about and you know yeah
1: oh my, my other question Was uh? Are a lot of Saban's
0: assistants sticking around? You know, I I mentioned one guy going from Alabama to Georgia. I think they're. I think DeBoer is bringing his offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb. Good first name, you know, and also a good offensive coordinator. He's worked with him a whole lot. In fact, Bama tried to poach him last year. So there is some known quantity with him and Bama. So I imagine that he, he's going to bring him in. I don't know who all else he's going to bring in. Maybe he's going to bring in a lot of guys that he's been around with. And uh, I saw they hired a defensive coordinator who was, was that South Alabama. I forget if he was a head coach there or not, but he's the new D.C. So I don't know. I do also wonder, you know, with that with the coordinator, grub, if he has another awesome year at Bama, does he get looks at head coaching jobs? Because that could definitely be the case. Maybe there's a job out west that he likes. You know, it's unfortunate that he didn't get grab any of these jobs out west because this B- Bama hiring DeBoer has been like a domino effect, where it's affected Washington, who hired Arizona's coach Jed Fish, who now Arizona hired San Jose State's coach, and so now San Jose is looking for a coach. So it, it's gone all the way to San Jose State. So. I think he'll bring some of his own guys, but the recruiting of the South, I think, is going to be really kind of crucial for them. You know, there I, there's a reason why I was kind of thinking like it could be Lanning, it could be Steve Sharkeesian at Texas, or why I put my money on Lane Kiffin is because those guys know the expectations and know the recruiting of that area. And that's another thing. The expectations, you know, that's going to be I'm I'm pretty sure in his press conference he knows about the expectations there, but I don't know. He's gonna find out here pretty quickly because I looked at Bama's schedule and I think Peter put it in the group chat. Their first SEC game is against Georgia Whoa. in September. <laughs> so talk about a way to get your SEC, you know, season open. Well so the SEC Georgia. kid. I, I know, right? You're gonna have to go against Georgia, Ooh. who you know. It's been a while since they've played in the regular season. So, right off the bat, you got to go to Tennessee. You do have a home game against Mizzou, and they're bringing back a lot of their guys. And then – and that's October. Then you got to go to LSU. you got to go to Oklahoma. And then you have a home game against Auburn. So, it's going to be a rough first season in conference form. And he's going to have to get it right here pretty quickly or else. Bama will make sure about – they will let him hear about it if they do not like – what he is bringing Um, so i'm really curious about a lot of things here i do think it's a good hire but i mentioned it on the pod friday i think there's sort of a path to be cleared here you know there's no saving anymore in the sec so i feel like there's a little bit of a path cleared here you're waiting to see on how this entire does i think there's sec teams like lsu like Tennessee, like Georgia, who I feel like Georgia's got to be feeling pretty good about it right now, being the new kind of Alabama kind of. And like, hey, Saban has left. This new guy, he is pretty good. But, you know, if you're Georgia, you saw how Michigan's defense did against his offense. Like, well, we can do that easily too. We got the guys on defense to be able to do that. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of teams in the SEC that like, yeah, this guy's good. But I feel like we – there's a path cleared for us to – make it to the championship game with no divisions now would i be
1: absolutely crazy put five bucks down mizzou to finish second in the sec i
0: don't you know they're bringing a lot of those guys back you know schrader is going to be going to the nfl cook burden a lot of those pieces they're good they have lost a couple of guys on that defensive staff to lsu a lot of big time guys which LSU, they've revamped their whole defensive staff, fired everybody, and just been, like, cherry-picking guys. So, maybe not. It's just have to see on that defense. I will say, the tie back around to UT, I did see where, you know, in 1997, Michigan won the title. And then in 1998, Tennessee won the title with a first-year quarterback, which we had this year. And we also have a star wearing number 27 on defense now back in 98 it was Al wilson now matt you've heard of Al wilson i know who Al oh, wilson is yeah funny enough we talked about uh bo hardigree from the raiders he's from jackson tennessee too so there there's like a couple nfl guys like trey smith is from jackson too um so there's a pedigree there but I don't know. Maybe think about Tennessee here, but this is my homerism talking. <laughs> so <laughs> I think let's just get away from this. But uh, you know, Alabama—they get their guy, they get DeBoer, and uh, I do wonder if he was number one on their board. I mean, they're not going to say otherwise. I right. have to imagine we'll never know. Um, yeah, we'll never know. I have to imagine Lanning was probably number one, and he's staying at Oregon. He's done a great job there. He's got I, I... things going in the pack, in the Big Ten. So yeah.
1: Without knowing a whole lot, you know, I thought Sarkisian made a lot of sense. Uh, for the for a guy for them to go after, but it also made a lot of sense for him to not leave Texas.
0: Yeah, he's got a lot of guys coming back. He's got Quinn Ewers, yeah. star quarterback, and he, he took one of Bama's guys, Isaiah Bond, their wide receiver. He jumped ship after Saban, said he's he's retiring. He's now at Texas, and there's spots open at Texas now. And plus, you never know, he could get get some passes from Arch Manning if uh, Ewers gets hurt. So it was like, Hey, I got the catch passes from Manning. So there could be an added bonus. Um, let's talk about an NFL coaching search. That's happening. We talked a little bit about it last week with the Falcons and like, what does their job look like? Well, we got some news about bill Belichick who the Patriots, since we last talked, they've parted ways and he's now interviewing. They put out a little thing on their social media, where they said, "Hey, we we interviewed him," and so man, we take a look at Bill Belichick being on the open market and the Falcons interviewing him. Are they his best landing spot, or is there another one out there in mind? I it's frustrating
1: because I don't want Belichick going near my Drake London and my Kyle Pitts and my B. John Robinson, right? Like, <laughs> but at the same time, I guess yo, know, look, we had the Tom Brady years, right? Like, we have had Belichick. Mm-hmm. With good offenses, you know, it's been a few years now. Um, I, I don't, I don't really think it's the best landing spot for Belichick specifically. I think the charges are for that. I'm just picturing in my mind what an interview with Bill Belichick looks like. You know, hey Bill, did you bring your resume? Do you have re? Do you have references, Bill? And and he's there, just like, uh. I'm on in Cincinnati. Like, <laughs> like, what does that interview actually look like? But I would imagine a lot of it is, you know, team control, roster control, a lot of that kind of stuff. What assistants would you bring in? You know, would you bring in a bunch of guys who are in New England? Because it does sound like some of the assistants are sticking around in New England because they promoted Gerard Mayo, the uh, former linebacker turned, you know, defensive coach. Um, he's their head coach. It's not Mike Vrabel. They promoted from within. No. Um, so, which you know, that move, I, I don't totally love either. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think Belichick in New England, is, or I'm sorry, Belichick to Atlanta, selfishly, it's not what I would want.
0: Now, there are a couple of positives, I think with Atlanta, I think, you know, the division we talked about last week, it's not that great. You, you have that, I don't know how much Arthur Blank would meddle with Belichick. I imagine maybe he would say, like, hey, uh, we'll let you do whatever. And you pretty much only need that one quarterback. Now, yes, the offensive pieces, kind of worried about that, but like there's some good young pieces that are on some very cheap contracts. And the defense, which looked a little bit better this year, I feel like he can go and step that up since he is a defensive guy. I was like, I'll hire somebody to take care of the offense. I'll take care of defense. And I think that could work
1: maybe. But is that how it would really go? Like, I feel like it'd be like, oh, well, here's Bill O'Brien. We don't know. You know, like, here's Bill O'Brien to run that offense. Here's Matt Patricia to run the offense. (laughs) Joe Judge, right? Like, (laughs) I feel like that's what we would be in for. And and I just – I'd be very frustrated by that Um, for sure. No, I I think, you know, from the Falcons' standpoint, it would not be a bad move one bit, right? Like, is there a bad idea. No you know, to bring in a Bill Belichick as your head coach. I don't know. I'm just not in love with the idea of it for them.
0: Now, there's a couple jobs that are not open right now, which the, because of how these these last week's playoffs games went, Eagles, Cowboys, were looking at you, you know, should one of those jobs open up? Does the Cowboys or Eagles make sense for Bill?
1: I think Cowboys make more sense than the Eagles, personally. I also think it makes more sense for the Cowboys to move on than it does for the Eagles to move on. Um I I both of them do make sense for Belichick, right? Because like they are teams that are obviously in the playoffs, they're win now teams. Also, if the I don't know, I haven't seen anything today. Sean McVay has considered retirement multiple times, right? So like what if Sean McVay steps away from the Rams as well? He's not getting fired, but what if he decides to retire? Um, Could a coach Mm -hmm. then twice his age then take over for him, right? Um, (laughs) So, you know, there are those options still out there to be determined. Um, The Cowboys, I think, would definitely be the fit, though, right? Like a team that, like, can roll out of bed and win 10 games but just can't get their act together in the playoffs. That feels like a team where I can see Belichick putting the pieces together and making a run with it. It's
0: just a matter of him and Jerry. How's that dynamic going to be? You know, it does. Um, I, I wonder if it could be one of those things
1: though where in the moment working together, they can work, make some magic and then maybe there's a fallout at the end of it all. You know, uh, you hear the stories with Jimmy Johnson recently, right? Where Jimmy Johnson came back for this Ring of Honor uh uh ceremony, but like two big yoast, two guys who both think they're the smartest guy in the room, um, both, you know, they were able to make some magic in the nineties though. You know, and so I wonder if it could be a situation like that, or if it's a situation where Jerry Jones, I feel like Jerry Jones does not respect very many people and would meddle with most coaches, right? I feel like Belichick might be the one coach where it's like Jerry Jones respects him so much that uh, he Mm -hmm. wouldn't, right? Because, you know, I mean, I I think back on how uh, multiple times playing fantasy for the last couple of years. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, right, should be playing less. They should be getting the ball, Tony Pollard, more and more. And you'd hear these stories, though, how Jerry Jones would be like, Well, I think our offense runs through Zeke. And so, what would happen? Zeke would get 18 carries. And it's like, Okay, well, yeah. Jerry Jones is just calling the plays here. Maybe if it's <laughs> Belichick, that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, maybe not. I mean, we'll have to see if which jobs he interviews for next. You know, the Chargers one isn't a bad one because. It is ready-made at quarterback. And then he can work his magic on the defense there. You know, let's we'll see what the camp casualties are. So maybe he can go to, I almost said San Diego, uh, <laughs> to, to L.A. to work with the Chargers and uh, maybe work some magic there. But this is interesting. You know, Atlanta, Belichick, it wouldn't seem like a, something you would expect. But it is notable, to say the least. I mean, one thing I, I mentioned with the weak division the 15 wins part to pass the all-time mm. record, it would be in a weaker division where he can go and be able to do that and we'll see how he does. Now, if he goes to a team that is ready-made right now, he can probably get that here pretty quick, you know. Right, in <laughs> two knock years. knock it out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, yeah, win 10, 11 wins one year and you pass it sometime midseason the following year. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really kind of curious to see where Belichick lands, see if which team he would go to and uh what he would kind of do away from the Patriots. And uh it'd be different seeing him wear a different cutoff hoodie for a different team. Yeah, you know, I think Robert Kraft pretty much mentioned as much. So it'd be weird for us too, seeing him on that Patriots sideline for so many years. Oh, for sure. How uh how do you feel with the Mayo
1: hire and it not being Vrabel?
0: I was kind of caught off guard. It, it It's really smart that they put it in the contract that he would be the successor. That's really kind of smart on their part. You know, I was kind of shocked with Rabel because there's rumblings, you know, about, you know, was one of the reasons that we let go of Rabel's was because of that. And maybe there was some kind of tampering or, you know, or something like that. You know, nothing like that's ever going to get out, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff about that. And so Jeron Mayo, you know, they call him Bill Belichick Jr. So I'm wanting to see how that goes and seeing if he is going to be kind of like that or if he's going to be different and how he's going to approach this head coaching job. So, but I mean, I I don't mind. I don't mind as far as like he's a former UT guy that I can actually remember playing a little bit. So listen, I'm happy for him in that regard. We got a head football coach in the NFL, but. I am curious if he's going to run a show similar to Bill or if he's going to differentiate on a couple things that Bill did. Maybe he's going to be a little bit more proactive in how the offense is run, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I'm curious to see kind of what direction that goes to, because he is a young guy. He's only, I believe, 38, 39 right now. Um, you know, and he retired yeah, young. He's really young. I remember, remember that too. You know, he retired before he was 30 from playing. Um, first round pick by the Patriots only played for the Patriots he, so you know so he's deeply ingrained in this organization and uh really bought in on it he was there for a lot of you know the great Brady years won I think two Super Bowls with the Patriots I believe in that right uh span um yeah, yeah no, I think that um if they're gonna go internal I think Mayo was the guy to go with you know much for him over you know, uh, Belichick Jr. over O'Brien, you know, Joe Judge, Patricia, all the, you know, the who's who's of Patriots assistants, so, you know, McDaniels, right? Like I think out of all yeah. the internal options, Maya was the best. I'm just really curious to see, will it just look the same, but with a new guy at the front of it, or will there be a yeah. real change? I'm curious. I, I do think that, you know, when you've had, as much success as the Patriots have had over the course of 20 plus years, I think it makes a lot of sense to stay internal for the first hire and just see if you just Mm -hmm. need a different voice sending the same message, you know, because there was so much success. Did Bill himself, just get a little bit stale. You just need a new bill. Um, in which case I think Mayo is the perfect guy to try that with.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a good point you put up, you know, you see it a lot of times that, you know, you need a new voice in the locker room, even if it's, you know, it's got similar ideas as the previous guy. It just may be like, Hey, we're tired of hearing of this one voice. We just need to hear somebody else's and like get, get a new kind of voice in there. That's not the old guy, you know, get a change in there. Um, So I guess let's move on and let's talk about the playoffs teams that were in the playoffs. Let's talk about the wild card here, the AFC wild card. And a couple games, and, man, we talked about last week, uh, let's start off with Browns and Texans uh, with Flacco versus Stroud. And, my goodness, did C.J. Stroud and this young Texas team show out in their first playoff game. You know, congrats to them. C.J. was super efficient. Uh, Not to step on toes on Jordan Love, but I believe they had very eerily similar staff lines. I think Jordan Love yards, two yards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah where he was two yards off and it's just like, this is some weird stuff. But yeah, I know you're probably hurting because of Flacco and that kind of performance and where he, you know, just, just threw up those couple of interceptions and like, oh boy, that, that wasn't that's not going to be good. Well, it's exactly kind
1: of what we were worried about this entire time with Flacco, right? The magic carpet ride. Um, you know, at some point this is going to happen, right? Like how many times have we seen Ryan Fitzpatrick play the exact same game that Joe Flacco has been playing for the last six weeks, all these deep throws, all these bombs, throwing all over the place, taking all these chances. And Flacco had been throwing interceptions over the course of this run already. Um, He just, you know, had been so good around it that it was fine. And also the defense was so good before. This Browns defense, where did it go in this game? My goodness, they got absolutely trounced.
0: Yeah, you know, Miles Garrett, I I barely heard his name and, I think I saw some said talking about Garrett and Parsons. I think out of the two, only one got a quarterback hit, and that was it. That wow. they, that's such a good call from the Texans offense in moving away from Miles Garrett, not letting him get any type of pressure on Stroud, whether it's rolling out, moving the pocket, you know, stuff like that. You know, it, maybe it's because I'm I'm looking for a new head coach with my team. I'm liking this tech. Texans offensive coordinator, Slowick. I'm really liking what he was able to do and game plan for with C.J. Stroud and this young team who is missing Dell, but you got guys like Schultz making plays. Nico Collins having a breakout year, continuing it in the playoffs. So it's just like this Browns defense, I don't know what happened to it. I think it was just a good game plan from the Texans and finding a way to avoid the things that made the Browns defense that much better now I think they were missing Grant Delpit on the back end so that's gonna hurt the the Browns a little bit but regardless this is a huge showing from Stroud in his first playoff start and this could be the type of thing that can give a young quarterback some big time confidence going forward if he didn't have it already he's gonna have it now
1: yeah this is the kind of performance that puts a kid like a CJ Stroud on that Joe Burrow trajectory right like this is the mm-hmm. kind of thing that, you know, you see a young QB go, I am elite. And, and, you know, they play better and better, you know, with the momentum off of that. And the team goes more and more in. I will say this. I feel like with what we just saw in Philly, if I'm the Texans, you know, obviously they still have the rest of the playoff run still to go. I am going hard for the next, like, two years. you got to win that ring while you got him on that rookie deal. Because the NFL, things turn over in, like, two years. You know, so go hard and fast, and go win a yeah. ring with this kid.
0: Yeah, that that's a really good point. You know, with how the Eagles things have gone here, they gotta be able to go all in. And if there's an injury or two that that happens, particularly one of those young guys on offense, that can really hurt down the line. So, I, but yeah, this Texans team, they showed up, they were hyped, they were ready to go. So, I, you know, still still proud of D'Amico and. CJ and this journey they're on, it's still quite unbelievable with how we were talking about the Texans a year ago to talking about them now. It's completely, it it, it completely flipped and you can't be any happier for them. I remember being
1: at the draft and uh, they traded next year's first to go get Will Anderson. And I was like, Oh, well that's actually a really smart move. You trade away next year's Cleveland Browns first to go up and, you know, pick at number three overall. And then it comes out that, oh, no, it's their own pick. And I remember being at the draft like, oh, no, what did you guys just do? Mm -hmm. Like, why would you trade away your own? Because you're going to stink again this year. And here they are. They beat the Browns. So they're straight up going to be better than that other pick, you know. And so uh, (laughs) they bet on themselves, and it worked out really, really well.
0: Yeah. It's one of the things that if if you bet on yourselves, sometimes they'll work out. It won't always work out like this, but for the Texans – It worked out for them big time. I mean, made that move, got a huge piece on defense and got their franchise quarterback, which are two of the things you really need in this league that are up top of your needs. Um, Moving on from Browns and Texans, let's talk about the AFC game that happened on Saturday, also on Saturday, with the Dolphins-Chiefs game. And we talked about already historic low temperatures. (laughs) Oh <laughs> with this gosh. game, And, you know, we talked about, you know, the cold weather being a factor for the Dolphins and how they don't play well in it, but this is really different kind of weather. Again, we mentioned it. This is one of the fourth, this is probably the fourth coldest game in NFL history. So it, you know, if it's a game in like the twenties or thirties, maybe they do a, just a little bit better, just a little bit. So yeah. I'll give it a little bit past there, but you know, this Dolphins offense, I put it, here with the overlay, you know, their track meet froze, you know, Tyreek really had that one big play that Tua just kind of threw up there and made a play off of it. Well, that, you know, not a whole lot of showings on offense, their defense. I kind of figured that, you know, with the pieces missing on that defense, right. that that's the Chiefs right. were going to be able to find some kind of momentum on offense. And that's what happened. They found some momentum on offense. Rasheed Rice having a couple of big-time plays and Pacheco having a couple of really strong runs, they looked really well at Arrowhead. You know, despite how Andy Reid's mustache was frozen, he was still calling out plays uh, really well on that side of the ball. So it's kind of like what we, what I expected from this game. Yeah, it is. And on the Dolphins' side of things, I've seen a
1: lot of people basically like crapping on Tua. And, you know, in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, it feels like people are taking their takes back to Tua uh, going into last season even, Um I don't know. To me, this game is nothing to judge any player on the Dolphins off of. Like, it was just insurmountable conditions. Yes, Patrick Mahomes played very well in it. Patrick Mahomes is also the best quarterback in the league. The second best quarterback I've ever seen, probably, right? And he may be the <laughs> best when it's all said and done. So, like, that's not a measuring stick to put yourself yourself up against. Um, I, I look, I mean, just no one did anything on this offense for the Dolphins, right? Tua couldn't get going. Waddle is still banked up, right? Like, Waddle, you cannot tell me that guy's healthy. Um, no. Mostert did terribly. A-Chan even did, just did nothing. So just a complete waste day for the Dolphins on offense. And, yeah, on defense, they just couldn't get pressure. They had another pass rushers. On the Chiefs' side, I think the big story here is Rashi Rice, right? Like, we've seen Rice many times throughout the season kind of come up as their number one. But in this game, he looked like a number one. Yes, not just their time. number one, a number one. Like, because it's been one of those things for for a couple of years where it's like, oh, well, you know, Travis Kelsey is the real number one. <laughs> no, Rashi Rice has eclipsed. And, and for what their current set is, I'm not saying he's better than Travis Kelsey over the course of their careers, but current offense. Rashi Rice is the best offensive weapon on this team. And I love seeing him get 12 targets. He converted that into a monster game. And, yeah, Kelsey can still – Kelsey can be that 1B and be amazing at it. And, uh, man, yeah, that the, the unlocking of Rashi Rice brings a whole new element of to his offense. And
0: I'm looking forward to them versus the Bills. Yes, that, that game is going to be so much fun. Yeah, Rice has really stepped up. And uh, throughout these few weeks, he's really been – out of their young guys, one of the more consistent receivers that has been talked about with him –
1: they're only. Sky the Moore. only the only the
0: only consistent receiver. Yeah. And like you said, he is emerging right now as a legit threat in this offense. And if that happens, then that can be a really big thing for the Chiefs as they get down here in the stretch for the playoffs with uh, that huge game at Buffalo upcoming this week. And got,
1: uh Rashi Rice got 12 targets, Travis Kelsey got 10 targets, no one else got more than three. Man. Like that tells you, and they threw the ball to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different receivers in this game. Plus, you know, Pacheco did have twenty-four carries also. They're kind of running this offense through three players. Um, you know, Mahomes aside, right? Like three three players are getting the ball and moving it forward. Um I you know what though? I think three can be enough if they're playing with this level.
0: Yeah. if that defense continues to be like it has been in Spagnolo. Calling the plays that he's calling, yep, you know, definitely. Is there is there any chance that Spags gets a head coaching call? I haven't seen his name on any list, I, so I don't know. Like
1: he he's had the head coaching job before,
0: right? Yeah. Um, I
1: don't know. He's not that old, right? He was very young when he was the Rams head coach. I feel like. Um, so I don't know. I just, yeah, just, just, just thinking out loud there. Like, could Spags get a call? I'm not saying he gets a job, but could we see his name floated around in some interviews?
0: Yeah. And then the final one: Bills Steelers on Monday, and which we were all wondering. You know, at seeing all the people getting getting the snow, shoveling all that stuff out, getting the field ready. You know, it just looked like a fun time. It's just trying to shovel all that snow. It's just like you would just have too much fun. You wouldn't get any work done. <laughs> you know, but uh, they got the field ready, and the Bills, they got off to a fast start, and the Steelers kind of snuck their way in in that second half. And I feel like that's been something with the Bills is that they've let some teams back in this year, and you're kind of wondering, oh, is that going to happen? Well, didn't happen. Bills hold off with, with the win, including two big-time plays. The One, the Josh Allen run, yep. which I'm just like, there's – there's no way a six, five, 245 hundred forty five pound man can move that fast. <laughs> and then the uh, Khalil Shakir touchdown, yep. which that was like, man, Minka had him. He should have had him, but props to Shakir for fighting his way and getting that in for the touchdown. But yeah, this Bills team, I, I feel like they're gonna be they're ready to go with this Chiefs game at home. It, they wanted to be different this time, and I think yeah. this is a. Good, strong showing for form. It,
1: it feels like this, this is the best the Bills have been playing all year, has been this, this yeah. whole stretch here. And so they're coming into this red hot. Um, this game, it's exactly what I expected it to be. I'm surprised Pittsburgh made it look as good as it did, right? Like Pittsburgh mm-hmm. had no business being even in the playoffs, but somehow they got in once again. And, uh, yeah, this, to me, this was maybe the easiest result of the entire weekend. Um, I think the only chance the Steelers ever had was if they did play this in a the blizzard, then you just get some random things happening, right? Like,
0: <laughs> like in a blizzard, yeah. maybe
1: Najee Harris gains 45 yards, they can kick one field goal and win 3 nothing, right? Like, maybe that could have happened, but yeah. once they move the game back to Monday, I was like, well, it's over. The Bills can win in neutral conditions, that won't even be close. So, uh No, but, you know, the emergence of Dalton Kincaid, Stephon Diggs still kind of being very quiet, though, and frustrated. And he got banged up, too, in this game. But, uh, you know, that's the weird thing with this offense is you do feel like there's some meat left on the bone because it does feel like there's a Stephon Diggs just waiting to go for 150. Um, But (laughs) I don't know. At this point in this offense, I don't know if it's going to happen anymore or not. Uh, But it's going to be great, though. This Bills and Chiefs game. Should be absolutely outstanding.
0: Yeah. Well, and I know the Bills have lost like, another defender too in this game, so that's something to keep an eye out for. But yeah, hey, that digs game that could be this weekend, for all we know. Yeah. You know, he could, he could have that game this weekend, or if they move on, he could have it the following weekend, the AFC Championship not the, game. Not in that one. <laughs> oh wait, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. Listen, I, he is probably due to have one here pretty soon. You know, he's he's either due or he's done. It's one of the two. Yeah, and you know, no Gabe Davis in this game either. So you have to see if uh, he's going to yeah. be good to go uh, for the Chiefs game. But, but you know, yeah. Hardy Hardy made a deep play,
1: and Shakir had that nice touchdown. Like, so yeah. they were able to kind of piece meld it together. You know, and then both Knox and Kincaid getting involved the way they both do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like you said, Kincaid has really come on here as of late, and getting Knox back in, involved, and evolving, got that those two tight ends. I imagine that's what they kind of envisioned when they took Kincaid and getting these these two together, so you can have those two as, as threats on the field. But yeah, this Bills, uh, this Bills Chiefs game is going to be amazing this week. But with the Steelers, you know, we talked about pre-show, uh, Mike Tomlin, you know, one year left on his contract, gets asked about it, basically pieces out. Like, I'm not answering that. And it's confirmed, he's coming back next year, final year of his contract. And I know one Peter Lewis is certainly thrilled about that one more year happening. Well,
1: okay. I think Tomlin gets way too much hate personally. But uh, I do think that for the first time ever, next season is actually a possibility of being his last for the Steelers. Because there's one year left on that deal, they don't fire him. It's just kind of a mutual parting as a, you know, contract expires kind of situation. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it's one of those things where it is time. Um, Personally, I think that he is outstanding, and he got a whole heck of a lot more of this team than I think 31 other coaches could have.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. He got a whole lot more. I didn't expect this team to make the playoffs, especially with Mason Rudolph. right.
1: Right. And Mason Rudolph, give him some credit here. He played really he played for a backup quarterback really well,
0: you know. Yeah. Well, hey, if he had James Washington, maybe he could have won. Get that 2018 joke out of here, Ryan. <laughs> they were roommates. <laughs> uh yeah, so uh Bills, Vance over the Steelers, and let's shift gears to the NFC side real quick and let's talk about these games and you know, let's. I'm gonna work my way from the overlay, from the bottom up. Let's talk about Detroit real quick. I know it's it was the uh, it was the game on what Sunday, mm-hmm. and Detroit Rams Stafford coming back. Lions get off to a roaring start, uh-huh. and <laughs> make a joke there. Uh, but then the Rams, they find their way back. Cup it really didn't seem was like a factor. It seemed like Puka was more of a factor. He was out there making plays. And, You know, I didn't think about it until somebody had mentioned it. But it's very Jerry Rice like, in which doesn't run a fast forty time, but when he's out in the field, you can't catch him. Well, like you, you can't explain it. It's Cooper Cup. Yeah. Like that's what
1: that like it's Puka Nakua just is Cooper Cup, and it's awesome, and and he's great. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, 10 targets, 9 catches, 181, and a touchdown. This one, he was the guy of this offense once again. And, yeah, Cooper Cup, he got 9 targets. Quite a few of those were end zone targets that didn't go his way um, for Cup. So he could definitely get some more of those moving forward. But, uh, well, not moving forward because that's what, their season's over, dummy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it was fun, though, to see the whole Stafford back in Detroit thing. I definitely feel like he kind of – and I feel like the fact that he was booed and stuff, it wasn't personal, it was business kind of situation there, right? Where like mm. I think he's yeah. still very much a beloved figure in Detroit. It's just that, hey, this is a playoff game and we've yep. got a chance to do it. and You're in our way, you
0: know? It's <laughs> one <Yeah>. of those. <laughs> Listen, we've sat through many too many Pistons games this year already <laughs> to have this happen.
1: <laughs> Forget the
0: Pistons, Ryan. They sat through 30 years of not winning a playoff game. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, the Pistons right now, I mean. Oh, Lord. (laughs) They're they're probably one of the worst teams in NBA history right now if you take a look at it. But, yeah, just seeing Detroit, I've been on them all all year and was really just excited to see them go out there and get the win in front of the fans. I really felt like they were fueled by the fans and, and going out there, playing as hard and as well as they were, especially in that first half. Now, second half, a little bit worrying. The Rams didn't make their adjustments. And you guys, shout out to Raheem Morris for making those adjustments and them only getting three points. But, hey, they scored when they need to, and they just held on, and their defense did well for the most part besides a couple of drives, and they held on, and they got the win. And it's like the thing with Houston. Like, you can't be any more proud of Detroit with golf and what he's gone through to get to this point and just the whole city of Detroit to get to this point and seeing somebody like Aiden Hutchinson who – is a Lions fan, grew up in the state of Michigan, and getting them to this point, you can't help but love this story. And they got a home game this week, another one. They get two of these this time. And uh, they could have a chance to have two playoff wins here in about a week or less than a week, which was more than they had in these last several years. Right. So it's probably going to be kind of like feeling like weird to them because of that, but I'm sure they're not going to complain anytime soon. One yeah. uh, w- one thing in this game, I thought Sean
1: McVay did do a pretty terrible job though. Um, timeout management and then also the punt on the Rams final possession. I get that it's fourth and 14. You had the ball on the other side of the 50 though. Um, it, you didn't get the ball back. like,
0: mm-hmm. And I feel like it was
1: very easy to see it coming. You weren't going to get it back. You got to take your shot there. Um, yeah, because you had to make a stop regardless, and you had to make a stop faster. Like because of how few, how little time was remaining, to me the field position didn't matter anymore. Because you, I don't think, well, I think they had one time out left at that point. Um, so they basically had to force like one first down and then out. Um, at worst, so that was definitely a misstep to me for for McVeigh, and then also the uh, the red zone offense for the Rams, settling for so many field goals. That was really difference in the game to me. What was kind of those those two things. Um, yeah, I, I love it for Goff, though. How can you not be happy for that kid after, you know, like, like the Detroit L.A. or the Detroit Matthew Stafford side of that trade was kind of very, like, respectful and very well done. Um, yeah. McVeigh kind of told Goff to go kick the curb. You're not good enough for me. Um, And, you know, I think there are definitely worse of hard feelings there. And so uh, see Jared Goff go out there. And, like, I love the Dan Campbellness of it to throw the ball in that final drive, right? Like that final <laughs> play to convert that first down it's very much dan campbell right we talk about this with the uh, lions and cowboys game how you know when when they threw the ball there and it didn't work out right When they go for for go for two from the seven and it didn't work then that's just that's what's that's what you're gonna get with dan campbell sometimes right he's gonna play his players yeah in, in week 18 when maybe he shouldn't sometimes well guess what also with dan campbell You're going to get him to take a chance here on second down with the game on the line to get a first down and close that sucker out. He's not going to just run the ball and punt and let the other team have a chance. He's going to throw that ball. He's going to try to get that first down. He did. It succeeded. And that, that's just, it's part of the uh, part of the territory of having Dan Campbell as your head coach.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like McVay should probably, you know, you saw Dan Campbell. He's like, maybe I should pull out my inner Dan Campbell here and go for it on that fourth and fourteen. And, like, what, what else you got to lose? It's a playoff game. You know, you only got one shot at these. If you don't get it, you're going home. So, why go ahead and take the chance, you know. And, and you only have one timeout. Yeah. So, like, yeah. But, yeah, Detroit, happy for them, happy that they're going to get another playoff game. And they get an opponent in the Buccaneers, which I guess we can kind of shift over to that game. That was the last game on Monday night with the Bucks and Eagles. Uh, one quick shout out with the Bucks because we'll probably spend a lot more time on the Eagle side of things. Shout out to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, You know, the, he he's had a resurgence here in Tampa, which I didn't think we would see coming this year. And he's really exceeded the expectations here. Mike Evans is still awesome. He, you know, he's finding Evans and he has another thousand yard season under his belt, but Todd Bowles and this crew, they've done a good job. And Baker, really showing the kind of effects that you would want a quarterback to have and being a leader on that sideline. There's a lot of that that was shown during the broadcast, and you, you got to be happy for him. After what's happened these last couple of years, you know, going to the Panthers where I saw he was playing scout team defensive line, you know, which I couldn't like, okay, why? That's how bad the Panthers are. But you see him going over here to Tampa, and you can't feel anything but happy for him and how the resurgence he's had. For sure.
1: You know, last year you had Geno Smith. This year you Baker Mayfield. Next year we get Jameis Winston uh, to go land a oh, starting no. job, right? And like have an amazing <laughs> come out of nowhere year. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, though, absolutely. He's running this offense great. And they're making some big plays too, right? That play with yeah, David Moore was just outstanding. The Trey Palmer touchdown, right? It was a big old bomb. So, like, Baker's not afraid uh, for sure. And he's going to take some chances. And, yeah, I do think the magic ride is over this week probably. But, hey, man, they're going to give Detroit a bit of a game, I think. But we'll we'll get to that in a little bit, though. Let's talk some Eagles here first. Eagles totally petering out here at the end of the year. Uh, Pretty much the last, like, eight weeks now or so, they've just Mm – I mean, they've been limp, and they've just been nothing. And, uh, you know, injuries definitely did not help their case but I definitely cannot blame this all on injury. Um, they've got some major questions on the secondary for sure. Adding Kevin Bayard from your Titans, Ryan, did absolutely nothing to help them. Yeah, And uh, yeah, you know, and Jalen Hurts, like I said, injuries definitely did play a part. Jalen Hurts' finger, that did not help. There were definitely some throws last night that were not Jalen Hurts-like throws, uh, no. but now you have a Jason Kelsey retirement to deal with. Uh, how is that going to affect their tush push? Because, you know, Everyone else plays first and 10. The Eagles play first and nine, you know, and so that changes the whole scheme of the offense potentially, depending on what happens there. Um, but I don't know. I also look at a team that has both Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, and I say, I think you're probably going to be all right, you know. Um, I think Sirianni sticks around. I think if not, we would have hurt today, right? Um, I don't know, Ryan. What yeah, say you I'm on the point. Eagles?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. We probably would have already heard something. But, I mean, the reason why we're bringing it up is because we know this Philly fan base. We know how fickle they can be because they want success. We know how passionate those guys are up there. You, know, you saw when they won the Super Bowl. You saw them doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And so I think, yeah, we would have heard something today. And it, it, you can count it towards injuries, I think, you know, not having A.J., that, de- that definitely kind of hurt in this one Yeah, season. It could have been somebody the Bucks could have kept keep an eye on. But it, it, you had a lot of guys that were banged up, you know. And you missed Goddard for a part of the season. It, it's just a lot of stuff. And, you know, you had those coordinator changes. It, with yeah. You got Brian Johnson, and then you make the change to Patricia calling plays in the middle of the season. It's just like those coordinator changes – were a lot more impactful than I think we anticipated. You know, you see how well Shane Steichen has done with Indy. I think Philly kind of missed them on that side of the ball this year. Not having Gannon on the defensive side kind of missed them. It doesn't also help that their corners and those guys back there that you mentioned were getting a little bit older. And I think the Titans, even though I didn't know it or see it at the time, probably the right move and moving off of Bayard getting picks where they could form, and letting that be that. You know, I'm kind of thinking back to the A.J. Brown quote to Bayard. is like, we're all winners here. It's like, well, not, talk about Colt Texas exposed right there. <laughs> but Darius Slay, he got a little bit banged up there. Bradbury got beat. I think on oh, that Palmer touchdown. It's just like, yeah. And you got these young guys that I'm going to take a shot at George here because we're where can I kind of take a shot at Georgia they take all those Georgia players and this is the defense that they have so I'm not saying it's an indictment on Georgia's defense but maybe it is but yeah this Philly team uh, I mean just a whole lot of question marks and but with Hurts and AJ and Devontae like you said they are going to be fine. And but Kelsey is, is a big question mark what are you going to do there are you going to address it from the inside it, I think Cam Juergens I, I think like he played center in college and they may have drafted him to play there eventually once Kelsey was done. So maybe um, it's him. Uh, I don't know. That's a big their question. Their other their
1: other guard uh, wasn't he a center coming in the draft? Yeah, Landon Dickerson.
0: Yeah, not, it could be either one of them. Probably, yeah. but then you got I another spot that.
1: to fill. Yeah, yeah, but I think uh, I, I you know with the the offense they run, I think you're better off maybe kicking Dickerson to the center and then filling in left guard there um uh, yeah no it's definitely a uh, a team that man just six seven weeks ago felt like they were right there with san francisco and you know it, it felt like above every team in the afc right it was san francisco philly dallas and the afc was here all of a sudden two of those teams are gone
0: <laughs> yeah so let's talk about the other nfc east team that kind of stunk it up here this weekend you know Neither one of these teams can enjoy the other's playoff woes this week because they both blew it up this week. And uh, talk about the Cowboys here. Man, oh, man, was this – we'll talk about Green Bay here in a second with this one, but the Cowboys here, just like this faunted defense and Dan Quinn, who's getting looked at with jobs, and I think the Titans are one of them. Well, I hope not anymore considering what happened with this game. This one was just – You know, I don't know what happened to this vaunted Cowboys defense. And we talked about Parsons earlier. He really did not affect Jordan Love in any way. He got that one QB hit and that was it. Didn't hear from him at all. And the Cowboys just looked like a team that were unprepared and ready for what the Packers were going to throw at them. And on both sides, you know, Dak kind of reverted to last year's Dak and those couple Mm -hmm. interceptions that he threw. And it's just like, that isn't the guy we've seen for the majority of this season. And so now there's some going to be hard, hard questions that are going to be asked about Dak and about McCarthy and probably Quinn too. You know, Quinn, I mean, let's be real. He he will probably move on to a job maybe. It's just like, you know what, let's just go to Seattle and let's just let that be that, you know, and uh, you know, all that good stuff. But McCarthy and Dak, you're probably looking at paying Dak here a, pretty big contract here soon But well, when he has a game like he did against the packers i don't know i don't it's kind of hard to take a look at it but who else are you going to go to what else are you going to do are you going to trade up in the draft you know mm-hmm. i mean maybe maybe you trade all your first jerry would be the type that would do it like here's all of our four the next four first rounders and let's go grab caleb williams on that rookie deal you know or something like that but McCarthy, that's another thing, and that's where the Belichick and Harbaugh and all that stuff comes into question. I think out of the two, I think it would be McCarthy yeah. because it does seem like a, a Jerry Jones type of thing to do.
1: And also, like, just watching the games, it definitely felt like the Cowboys quit, right? Like, you asked, like, what happened to this defense? Well, after the first two drives, they quit. Like, the, for, for the majority of this game, the Cowboys did not play. Um, after those first two uh, Packers touchdowns, I felt like the, the Cowboys gave up at that point. Um, my biggest question is on the offensive side: what was going on with CD Lamb in this game? There was that's another question, yeah. Because all season, you know, I mean, look, the, the, the stat the numbers look great: 17 targets, nine catches, 110 yards. Something was going on with those two on the sideline after a year that those guys just had with Dak and Lamb and how great that connection was all year, something was going on. There were, there were multiple times where it looked like CeeDee Lamb was going to start crying on the sidelines. Like, I don't know what was happening. I don't know what was going on with the guy. Something was going on, though. And, uh, you know, hopefully everything's okay, but you cannot have something like that happening in a playoff game. You just can't. Um, Dak, I totally agree with you because, you know, I, I think that uh, Chris Collinsworth – on one of the NBC games that the Cowboys did, did a really good job of kind of explaining how this Cowboys offense functions, right? It's very time-based. It's very much kind of one, two drop first read. And then if it's not there, you get out of there. Um, th- that wasn't how this offense was functioning. And I don't know if it was just a situation where the Packers did a really good job of taking away that first read. And then Dak kind of got outside of the offense. You know, I, I think about what, uh, a lot of people said between Russell Wilson and Sean, and Sean Payton, right? Where Sean Payton very much a methodical offense, you play the play. And Russell Wilson kind of a bit more of a magician, right? He kind of wants to do his thing a little bit more, right? An improviser. Yeah. Um, this Cowboys offense is very much a you stick to the play. Yeah, here we go. One, two, throw. And... Dak improvised on a lot of plays, and they never went well. Yeah. Um, Versus all season, watching the Cowboys' offense, it was meticulous. It was methodical. It was very specific on what they were doing on offense all year long, and it worked out great. And, uh, yeah, they just – I don't know. It was so weird. It was like they showed up to this game and wanted I don't know if they wanted to catch him by surprise, so they tried to change some things. Or if the Cowboys yeah. just took things away, or, or, or the Packers took things away, kudos to the Packers, too. Like, mm-hmm. I know the Cowboys are kind of talking point because of the Cowboys, and you know, the team that gets eliminated is done. That's their last chance to talk about them. Packers looked awesome. Aaron Jones yeah. looked great after being a guy who I thought was toast, you know, all year. He looked outstanding. Jordan Love looks great right now. And, and you know, he's been on a heater for the last several weeks now. Uh, You know, Romeo Dobbs had a monster, you know, this mishmash of weapons. There is no number one option. Jaden Reed, who I view as the number one, didn't have a catch and they scored 48 points. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and so uh, Romeo Dobbs totally stepped up. Luke Musgrave had a nice game. Like they, 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 it's an all around just great game for this Packers team. Yeah. This Packers defense,
0: you know, talk we were talking about last week you know it wasn't all that great and here they are and they have a really good game in this one well yeah you know i really wish i could have had this aaron jones performance during the fantasy season you know i really could have really could have used it in a week or two um but yeah this packers offense i think it was very smart by matt LeFleur and saying and with this young offense let's go and take the ball first and let's just go on a drive. You know, it's kind of like that Detroit game on Thanksgiving where they got the ball first and, like, let's go, big play, let's drive down and score, you know. And that's kind of like what this was. And kind of felt like Dallas was shell-shocked about this young group of guys just going down the field on this vaunted defense that had a lot of all pros on it, and just scored on like that. And – Jordan Love, like you said, he's been on one for like the last couple months, yeah. it seemed like. And, you know, the Packers, it looks like they found, they've done it again, you know? They've done it again. And you got all those weapons, and Watson hasn't been fully healthy, and you got all these young guys, and they're on cheap deals here. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you got the Love contract thing that you got coming up here, to taking consideration, but with the way he's playing... I think you got to consider it. And even Matt LaFleur, he kind of seems surprised by all this with Love. And so, like, he's making all these throws, like backing up and just tossing it. Seems a lot like Aaron Rodgers, a certain former Green Bay quarterback that was doing that. And so, you, you know, he's got all these young weapons and they they just went down the field and they dominate this team. And then, yeah, that defense, Jair Alexander making a, a big play on the interception. It was just like this Packers team came ready to play. That first drive, I think, really kind of set the tone. And maybe even if the Cowboys got it first, maybe it still would have played out the same. But I wonder if the Cowboys got the ball first, you know, what things have changed. But the Packers getting it first, I think, set the tone right from the start in which they just dominated this Cowboys team the whole game.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, that's a decision I would not have made. You know, it's a very gutsy decision to take the ball first. You know, we kind of learned over the course of time, the analytics and whatnot, that a lot of times you want to defer, right?
0: You want Mm -hmm. the
1: two for one at the end of the first half, start the second half, you know, and and try to double down there. Um, But there are times and places where it makes more sense to have the ball first, and this is definitely one of them. And, you know, yeah, if that first drive doesn't go well, right? If Micah Parsons has one sack and you punt, then, like, Maybe this is a completely different game, but no, they went right down the field and scored.
0: Yeah. And so now the Packers they're heading into San Francisco ready for a matchup there. And so I guess let's transition and let's talk about these divisional games this week. And we got a couple on Saturday. Both the one seeds are going at it against the young quarterbacks. I kind of find I find it kind of ironic there. They got these two young quarterbacks that did really well, and they're going up against the number one seeds. And uh, I guess let's start with the ASC since we started with the wild card stuff. Let's talk about that game with the Ravens and Texans. I believe that's the first one up. With That being on Saturday, I think the 49ers-Packers game is Saturday night. Yep. Uh, Okay. I I wonder if I was going to have to double-check that, but – Matt, you got these young Texans coming into Baltimore. Oh, what what are your thoughts going into this game?
1: Well, uh, you know the Ravens coming off the bye, obviously. is always going to be good. You know, be be ready for it coming off of that. Um, I, I you know one thing is Strauss is going to come in with no fear. You know, like he he's play, you know I think that's one thing you're going to see both the Packers and the Texans both. You know, they're both playing like, hey, we're not supposed to be here anyway, right? So they're going right. to take some of those chances. They're going to take some of those risks, and if those pay off, we could see an upset here. Um, I do think that the Ravens' offense should be able to move the ball against that Texans' defense a lot better, at least, than the Browns were able to. And I also expect that the, the Ravens will not have the turnovers the Browns had. You know, the Browns couldn't get out of their own way, right? Flacco had the interceptions, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't expect that out of the Ravens at yeah. all. Uh, Mark Andrews also made a big step towards potentially playing this week. That's I big. don't know if I expect that, though. But even if he does, I don't know how much he plays. Right, like It might be really good to have him in this game on a pretty limited third-down basis, you know, though, just to kind of have that trusting set of hands. Uh, But that would be huge, absolutely, to have a Mark Andrews out there on the field. You know, I I, the the thing is, and yes, they they did play week one. One thing the Ravens defense has done really good, and I know Harbaugh's a special teams guy, but I feel like it dates all the way back to when John Harbaugh got hired, even before John Harbaugh. Those dates back to the 2000 Ravens um the Ravens defense is always really hard on rookie quarterbacks rookie Mm -hmm. QBs versus the Ravens I I don't have the stat in front of me I want to say that in like the history of the franchise rookies only beat the Ravens like three or four times um they always struggle you know the the Ravens always come up with new because part of the Ravens defense right the Ravens defense is always one that disguises things really well shows you things you've never seen before and when you're a rookie. You've genuinely never seen them before. And so you don't know what to do. You make mistakes. They're very good disguising things and and misdirections on defense. Um, They don't let the offense dictate the defense, right? The defense dictates the offense a lot of times with the Ravens. So uh, that's one thing I expect Stroud to relatively struggle. Not saying he's going to throw for 130 yards, but compared to what we have seen at CJ Stroud, I think it'll be more of a struggle than what we've seen. Yeah,
0: I think so too. And, you know, if – He's able to move the ball in the Ravens. I will say, sorry about that. Your DC interview for the Titan shop. So at, you, you can pin that on us if that happens. You, you know. Um, so yeah, I you bring that up. Rookie quarterbacks they are really good against. And but Stroud, from what we've seen, is a guy that can adjust and is not like normal. Oh, totally. Quarterbacks. Yeah. And you know, but this is a different monster than the Browns' defense, in which. I mean, listen, we all thought it was going to be good, so maybe he'll go out there and have another good game. But I do wonder how these Texans on defense are able to stop Lamar and stop this Ravens offense, And which, yeah, getting Mark Andrews back, that would be huge, even if it's only on a limited snap count. But if you don't have him, that's fine. You got Isaiah Likely that's really had some good Mm -hmm. games here down the stretch. You got Ben Aguilar, Odell, you know. They Zay, got some guys here.
1: Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I, I think – I mean, we're going Ravens here. We picked the Ravens and 49ers to, to make the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's not hard to see who we're going to pick in these two games. But yes. I guess let's talk about uh, that other game, 49ers-Packers. Like you said, Packers, I think, are going to come out with no fear. But I do think it's going to – the 49ers, I think it's going to be tough against them at home. And we saw what happened with the 49ers when they had a buy earlier this season, and they just went on a tear. Now, it is a little bit different, but I think we can see some of the same things in which they just have a good first game with the playoffs. And the Packers' story, it ends, I think, at San Francisco. And the 49ers, they move on. And I think, you know, looking at this Packers' defense, I think – The 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, they're going to look at what the Cowboys didn't do and it's like, well, here's easy ways to exploit the Packers' defense and it'll look like the Packers' defense that we saw late in the season. I totally agree.
1: I think that's going to be most of it is that the 49ers' offense is going to be very efficient, very good, the way they always are, right? Debo, IU, Kittle, McCaffrey. It's really hard to stop. I do think Jordan Love is going to have some success. against a very good 49ers' defense – but yeah, I, I just don't think it's gonna be enough, though. I think that those weapons at San Fran are just gonna be too much. Um, you know, impressive showing this past week by the Packers defense, but I do think it's gonna rear its ugly head back at them.
0: Yeah, I kind of think so too. So we got the Ravens 49ers moving on there. The game's on Sunday. We got the Lions and the Bucks being that first game. I think the Lions train. It it rolls on. Sorry, Baker, your redemption story has been great, but this Lions team, there's just a whole lot of juice behind it, man. There's just a whole lot of good stuff with it, and uh, I think they make it to conference championship weekend and which they got the 49ers, and that would be fun. But I think the Lions, another home game, they're going to be amped up again. They're going to act like it was their first home playoff game in years again next sunday so i think they get it done and uh, they move on do you worry at all about a bit of a uh, you know deflating
1: of the balloon right like they had this a big emotional win big emotional high um do you worry at all about them kind of coming crashing down afterwards
0: yeah so i, I think lines both both of us we're going with them and i'm excited to see how that crowd in Detroit is, you know, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be ready to go and excited to see uh, if Dan Campbell has any uh, tricks up his sleeve for for this upcoming Sunday. And then let's talk about this one. We're both excited about this one, the Bills taking on the Chiefs. This time at Buffalo, not at Kansas City this time around. It's going to be a little bit of a different story here. And I know Bills Mafia, they're excited. I didn't hyped up for this one. Uh Matt, with somebody that who is engaged to a Chiefs fan, what's the general feeling with this game? Um, I think that she
1: is excited about it and excited about the matchup for sure. I think she's very nervous about this one. I think that uh the, the Bills deserve to be the favorite in this game. They've earned that right. And being in Buffalo, I think it's fascinating to see what a Mahomes road playoff game looks like. I have a feeling it's going to look a lot Mm -hmm. like Mahomes playoff games before. He's just going to be wearing white instead of red. Uh, This is a showdown, man. This is a coin flip game, right? I kind of think the Buccaneers-Lions one is too. Um, I'm going Bills in this one, but I do not feel good about that pick. One iota. And what's interesting is I feel like in years past, Bills-Chiefs has been all about the offense, right? It's been fireworks galore. 13 seconds, score, touchdown, game over, right? I feel like this is going to be a different version of this Bills-Chiefs game. Like, we may be looking at, like, a 21-17 kind of game.
0: Yeah, I i I, I think I'm with you on that one. I think it's going to be low scoring, too. Uh, I'm curious what the over-under is. I, I'm going to see if I can uh, pull that forty here. 45 and a half. 45-and-a-half, so that, that would be way under what uh, with that score, 21-17, to 17, that type of game, that's 38. Yeah. So I, I think I'm with you there. I think I'm with you on both. I think I'm going with the Bills here. And I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. And, yeah, but Holmes, it'll just be another playoff game for him, except he'll be the road team. He'll be on the road team this time around. But uh, I think the Bills – they move on in this matchup in the playoffs. I know it's kind of like it's kind of like the monkey on their back. And this time yeah. they get the chance to go and get the monkey off the back at home. And the Bills Mafia, they're a crazy group as well. I think they get it done and they move on and they're gonna play your Ravens next week.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, it does feel like this is the chance for them. Like New England was that team for so many teams, right? Where like they're the Grim reaper. Every year, Baltimore could beat New England. Indianapolis couldn't beat New England, right? Um, But then there were a couple times you did, right? Like, it did eventually start to happen a couple times for you. So, this definitely feels the most vulnerable the Chiefs have ever been. Uh, But I will say, though, man, if Rashi Rice does keep doing his thing, the magic could be there, man. They could definitely – like, this is by no means – I am picking the Bills, but – my confidence points would be a zero on this game.
0: <laughs> ah man, yeah. I it, it's it's a coin flip, I think. That it's one of those like this is gonna be one that comes down to it with less than five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And we'll all be in for a treat with the with these quarterbacks going at each other. You know, we'll see some crazy Mahomes highlights. We'll we'll probably see some crazy Josh Allen highlights. It is going to be, I think, to be quite honest, I think it's probably the most anticipated game of this yeah. week's slate.
1: Yeah, I think for sure. Um, real quick, Ryan, because I think we broke up for a little bit there during the uh, the Bucks and Lions. Um, are you worried about at all about a Lions kind of deflating um, the air out of the balloon here, you know, big emotional win? Is this almost like a trap game kind of a situation for the, for the Lions?
0: That's a good point. I didn't think about that. You know, there's definitely that possibility. You can't take it off the table. That's definitely on there. I do think they'll be energized, though, being back another week. But that's a good possibility. And Baker and them, there's enough juice behind what they got going that maybe they're like, hey, why, why not us? You know, why can't we go beat Detroit and go beat them at their place, deflate all that energy? And go play San Francisco the next week. So yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Uh,
1: it's it's my upset pick of the weekend is I'm going Tampa. Man. Um and, and it largely is the fact that I mean tampa has been there, done that before, right? So yeah, they had this big emotional win. They beat they beat uh Philly. They've done it before, though, right? Not necessarily Baker, but the rest of this team has been there before, right? Levante David, uh Devin White, Jamil Dean on the defense, on the offense, Godwin, Evans you know, the offensive right. linemen. A lot of them guys were on the Super Bowl team. So they were, they were with Brady, right? So, like, how do you learn how to go through the rigors of a postseason better than playing alongside Tom Brady? Um, Detroit, I mean, I'm looking at the roster right now. C.J. Garner-Johnson is the only player that I I think he's the only player that has any playoff experience before this. Um, yeah, so, no, I, I, think that a, I think Detroit might have, you know, May have gone too hard too early. You know, they 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 won the first series, and that's it's kind of like Ryan when a college football team beats Alabama in 2021, and they celebrate so hard by you know climbing the goalposts and pretending like they won national championship when really you only won a regular season game. You didn't win the championship. That's kind of how I feel about Detroit here. Is like did they did they celebrate too hard on winning just a playoff game and lose sight of the real goal here? So. I'm going Tampa. And one difference, though, the Rams aren't Alabama. That's for sure. <laughs> to them, they, to them, the playoff game setting was,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a bold upset pick, but yeah, those guys got the playoff experience. You know, that's what playing with the Brady that's what it'll bring you. So I'm really curious to see how all that goes down, and uh, really excited to see these two games on Saturday and Sunday. So everybody, I think that is going to do it for us and really excited to see what we get here and see how it all unfolds and who we will have in the conference championship games. And who knows, we might get all these picks, right? Or we might get none of these picks, right? Uh, I I was taking a look at the spreadsheet and I think the only one that, uh, that got wrong was the Cowboys game. But I mean, who could have seen that coming, you know, right. At which I know last week we talked about the Bucks and the Eagles and us, you know, like you mentioned, like you were like leaving some room to flip. That's why I did. I flipped. I <laughs> so did I too. Like, I, I went Bucks. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
1: it panned but out well I,
0: for us last week. Then
1: I, I did have, Cle- I did have Cleveland though. Yeah, yeah. And so I, right, I, I yeah. got, a, I got an answer to answer that one. So I missed on Cleveland. I missed on Dallas, but uh and actually i missed on detroit also i had the rams going in there and doing all lord vader on that's there, right crushing all their hopes and dreams so i <laughs> i don't don't listen don't listen to my picks kids
0: <laughs> well tampa people will listen to them that's for sure <laughs> tampa loves me yeah um so uh yeah tampa loves you you know last week it was vegas this week it's gonna be tampa it's just gonna be finding out which n- you know, team loves Matt Mormon next, you know, that's the journey (laughs) we're on now. So uh, yeah, everybody, this is going to be a a fun week. Uh, Hopefully you guys are ready for it as well, but we'll be back next week. We'll talk about these games and talk about the conference championship and see what we have for both of them. So that'll do it for us here. Everybody again, if you haven't yet, be sure to go check us out, where you guys got your, get your podcast on whatever podcasting platform is your preference. Check us out on YouTube, Five Seven Three Podcast. Got all sorts of good stuff up there. Clips, shorts. We'll have a couple from this show up there. So be sure to go subscribe, like, comment, share with your friends. And you can find us on Twitter at Five Seven Three Pods, and you can find Matt with the ADP Average Dudes Podcast, and at Real Matt Mormon on X Twitter. You know, I'll still call it Twitter, and forget about it. it's just one letter now. Uh, thanks, Elon. So on that note, everybody. Take care. Have a good rest of your week, and we will talk to you all next time.